Welcome to Tecon Brujita, where we drink some tea and talk all witchy things. I'm Natalie Rodriguez. Come and flow with me as we jump to today's topic. Welcome. Hi, today I'm so excited because it's actually the first witchy topic. And so we are I, we're going to be talking about the broom closet. We're going to take a look at the definition. What is it? Then we're going to dive into the historical context of where it came from, this term broom closet. How this term which has been reclaimed in contemporary times then we're going to list some pros and cons of coming out of the brooming closet and lastly i want to leave tips on how to practice in secrecy and how to leave the broom closet today i'm actually drinking water and honey brujitas and this is to keep transparency and clear voice as we discuss today's topic let's go ahead and dive in What is the broom closet? For those who may not know, the broom closet is a term used for people who haven't revealed their spiritual practices to others or consider themselves to be witches and have not made it known publicly. Where does this broom closet originate from, right? Are you familiar with the Bible story, the Witch of Ender in the book of Samuel? If not, ooh, child, let me tell you, please grab a Bible and look it up for yourself. This comes from... The first book of Samuel, chapter 25, and it's called The Witch of Endor or The Medium of Endor. I do want to give you a little bit of context of the story. Because if actually when I was like in the beginning of my own witchy journey, when I found this story in the Bible, I was like, wait, pause, 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 pause. The Bible acknowledges witches? Like, pause. They've always existed? Okay, pause. Is this real life? Pause. So many pauses, right? So a little background. The king of Israel was seeking counsel because God had abandoned him, right? So God had given different tasks to Saul to complete, but he didn't. So God basically abandoned him and told him through Samuel already that he was actually going to be um, falling to the Philistines, which was now the army that was creating war against the people of Israel. This day, Saul was just like, okay, God is not answering me in dreams. He's not answering me through prophets. He's not answering me through people that have been divinely guided by God in the previous years. So I don't know what else to do. Saul had gave the decree in the people of Israel that all mediums and necromancers, so people who practice um, conjuring spirits or talking to the dead or people that had the ability, right, to see the dead people, he had ostracized him from his society. So he told his servants, um, we can talk about why he picked his servants later on, but he picked his servants and he told them, find me a woman who's a medium so I may seek counsel from her, right? So the servants were like, ah, we know somebody, we know somebody in Endor. He disguises himself like some regular old person, townie peasant if you will and he goes to this woman and the woman is like yo listen the king of israel is actually seeking out people who are mediums why are you trying to do this to me are you trying to kill me no i swear as long as god lives not, no punishment will come to you so number one he's already swearing on god's life okay number two the girl was the woman was like okay bet let's do this Bro, when I tell you that <laughs> this story like takes a whole plot twist and it gets dark real quick, 
Ah, this is why I pushed you to read it. I am not even going to give you the ending. The whole point of this Bible story is to showcase that in this one scene, particular story, the Bible does not deny the existence of women or people that had the ability to talk to the dead. And although they want to claim that this is something that was forbidden, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen to people that had the abilities and gifts to do so. And at times, and at times you may not even know how to control your ability or, you know, and this is why especially little kids have a hard time if they do have these gifts adjusting their third eye into the normal world, right? But that's for a whole nother day. The Colonial Massachusetts in 1692-1693, they actually accused about 200 people of being a witch and about 25 um, men and women um, were executed. This is a side note. Did you know that a four-year-old little girl was actually accused of witchcraft and two dogs, two, two dogs were actually accused of witchcraft and they were actually killed executed as well so if you didn't know um animals died too they were accused too which is kind of kind of messed up for american history to be honest but i digress the men that were actually executed because this is for the record because i was reading in some places were not as distinguishing the facts as others but it was actually the husbands of some of the women that were being accused as witchcraft that they also practiced witchcraft so the men were killed too then if you look at the more bigger historical context, the sources say that it was about 100,000 people that were accused of witchcraft and the estimated number of deaths, but it was about 40,000 to, 40, to 60,000 people in 300 years were killed because of witch accusations. To summarize this brief historical context, um the you you didn't necessarily even have to be a witch or practice witchcraft you just had to be accused or rumored that you were practicing witchcraft and therefore were now open to being tried you know at a trial and convicted and executed what i've learned so far is that the woman being accused and executed women who practice sexual deviant behaviors such as lesbianism women who understood and worked with plants or animals you would consider them today um, green thumb or veterinarians, let's be real. Women who were midwives or doulas in today's world, women of color or women who were in a lower status, women that were not married, women that were not submissive enough, you could have gotten accused by your own husband of witchcraft. So do you understand how this term, people might really be hesitant to claim it? This term, once upon a time, and I'm talking about witch, actually claiming the label witch, um, once upon a time could be a death sentence. In today's world, as you see and you know with me that the different type of women that were being accused were women that were already in some type or form or shape, a direct opposition to the norm. So they were, these were people that were considered rebellious. They stood against capitalism, racism, patriarchy, patriarchy, women who dare to be courageous enough to be different, to claim space in a society that did not offer them legal power or protection. During the 1960s and 70s, during the second wave of feminism, they took the term witch and they used an acronym to redefine and counteract the norm, the current societal norms that they were living in, right? So they used um, which as a women's international terrorist conspiracy from hell as a way to move away from the high 
housewife role. So they were using like this witch stereotype to rebel against housewife roles that they were expected to live in, right? As a way that it meant that I had control, freedom, and the expression of being able to be who I want to be as a person, as a people, as a collective. In our society, there is a range of gifted people that we can easily call brujitas. For example, healers, people who are energy workers, who work with Reiki energy. We've used massage therapists. They have magical hands if you've ever, you know, heard it like that. You have teachers that create an emotional safe space for students. You have doctors um, that have been in training for this. You have holistic practitioners. You can call them yoga meditation teachers or practitioners, you call them green thumbs, people who work with plants and are plant whispers and know how to, you know, bring back a plant. And if you cannot tell me plant magic is not real, because I see my grandmother give life to dying plants. You cannot tell me it's not real. I see people who cook with magic, who cook intuitively. Do you understand what that means? You cook intuitively, you know what herbs and spices will mix together to blend and create that flavor that you have in mind. You know how magical that is to try to explain that you do not have a recipe but you put it together <laughs> so you can't tell me okay um so people that are actually um mediums they, there are people out there that truly have a connection to those who've transitioned that are able to see them and, uh, and identify you have people that can, that can actually read auras people's auras they can see the colors in people's auras so what are some of the pros and cons of coming out of the broom closet? Some of the pros that I've identified, the feeling of being free. If you've ever been in a closet of any sense, let's be physical if you want to be physical, but if you've ever been in a trap closed space and all of a sudden you are out, that feeling of freedom, that's exactly what you're seeking when you come out. That's a pro. The second um, item that I've identified, there's four of them, is you do not have to lead a double life anymore, right? You, you go from being a double life agent to a unified person of who you are. Now you incorporated all of the aspects that you had hidden and you become and you out as one. And that makes you more powerful because now you've embraced different parts of yourself, right? The unification of who you are. Third, you release the fear. You release the fear of, of getting caught, of being accused. Um, especially this is this is this could be hard, especially if you grew up in a very Christian household or, or or a place that was very conservative and then all of a sudden you're practicing things that are considered occult in your religion or or the devil's work and and there's a lack of misunderstanding of what truly you do but it doesn't matter you still have that guilt and shame in the back of your mind so you release those fears once you embrace the label and you decide to come out and and at times you don't even have to embrace the label but you embrace what you're practicing and and you're just that, right? You don't, okay, you don't have to claim the label to come out, okay? That's number one in all of the rules of coming out ever, okay? Number four, right now, it would be the time 
to come out out of the broom closet because there's been there is a global change happening and this has been happening for a few years now where we are seeing um except in america we are seeing an advancement and almost an evolution into being more open and more accepting of others and you can really see this almost at the tiktokers levels because they're the younger ones but they have been so involved in politics in 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 gun policy reforms you have seen them marching out you have you have seen them create speeches of say gay like they are so active and so involved for the collective that i kind of want to wash my hands and be like oh my god my job is done they're doing it but this is the time to be able to actually embrace your most authentic self to be able to be part of this global change that we're trying to do at the collective level so the more people that awaken to the more authentic part of themselves and return to nature and return to that oneness connection and return to the things that truly matter, which is human life and being present at the moment to love. Until we all get there, we're not going to evolve as a, as a species to the next step, to the next expansion of consciousness, okay? So this is, would be the perfect time for you to embrace yourself to be able to continue to create that change so others can see how it looks like through your life, right? Oh my gosh, that was a lot. <laughs> but what are some, I don't like to call them cons as much as like items to be mindful. If you are considering coming out of the broom closet, is it safe where you live? Are there laws against practicing another type of spiritual practice, right? Because you might be living in a more conservative country where not everybody has the protective rights under religious freedom act you know are you a more private person you do not care to be in the public eye or to share with anybody what you like to do you're more introvert you have to consider as well what would it do to your mental and your emotional space and what would that look like understanding your why why do you want to come out right so understanding your own in and out of the broom closet journey. So you have to understand, okay, what is it that you're doing that is considered your, it's, it's putting yourself in, in the broom closet, fortifying your practice, understanding for yourself your own practice, and then, you know, finding your own voice in all of it. If you cannot come out just yet, practicing in secrecy allows you to fortify your practice, your belief, and your mind stability until you are able to come out if you are able to. My recommendation to practicing in secrecy, be creative. All you need is your mind and your belief and your words and intentions. So you see that this comes from a, almost like a mind setting and a practice setting that is individual at the root but it's also intuitive practice, if, I, if you will. You can also have a working book of shadows. So this, uh, your book of shadows is technically the book that you use to put everything related to your practice in one. So your working book of shadows could easily be a notebook where you draw your altar so some people have altars in their homes where they dedicate where they're dedicated to ancestors it's their meditation space um that's where they keep their palo santo their sage anything it's just an area dedicated for your practice right so you can actually draw an altar on your notebook and you can do and and 
anything that you would do in real life, like meditate in your altar, you could do with your notebook. You can write in your notebook, in your book of shadows. Let me be respectful. And you can write in there, you know, uh, your spell work, your manifestations, your poems, your visualizations, your affirmations, your higher self work, your shadow work, epiphanies, connect to the divine sources, prayers like you. This book becomes almost more than a journal, but everything in essence that you want to kind of leave to the next generation type deal in your family. So that's what the Book of Shadows is. Let's go ahead and talk about the tips to leaving the broom closet. Let's talk about what it looks like. Number one, you don't have to tell anyone. No one is owed access to your spiritual journey, literally. You can baby step. So you can select certain family members where you feel you feel the closest to, certain friends. You can start the conversation, see how you feel, and take the reactions, right? Two, you write your own journey so far in and out of the broom closet. If you just started your, your baby witch journey, maybe you want to write about your current intentions, your hopes, your dreams, and visualizations of taking up this new role in your life, right? Three, you will encounter resistance judgment, fear, and misunderstanding from others. Be ready to be patient, to show kindness, and also practice boundaries, okay? So you have to be patient because if you're telling your mom for the first time that you're practicing something outside of what you grew up with, it could be taken as a shock. So you got to give people the time and patience to, to process it with you, right? Because maybe not with you, but give them something to process with. Because for you, maybe it's been three years that you've been on this journey, right? Finding yourself, but to them, it's just now. And you've had three years to process what it means in your life. But for them, it just looks like, wow, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> you're a witch? What does that mean? <laughs> okay, so it could be... It could be a whole conversation and it could be tough, especially if you grew up in a more conservative mm, one type of religion household, okay? Three, four, four. Words matter. Words matter so much that I want to give you a few words that you could substitute witchcraft with. Historically, witchcraft or witch you know has been demonized and it has negative connotations so perhaps breaking it down to your mom your grandma and using terms like well i've been learning more about crystal healing sound baths meditations more holistic practices um working with plants um more healing modalities so you see where i'm going right like versus telling them i'm practicing witchcraft <laughs> Okay, it could be a shock. I promise you, you do not try to be as kind, as gentle as possible. Again, you do not owe anybody anything. But if you did want to come out to your closest family and friends because you love them and that's your circle, um, definitely I want to give you tips to be in a more gentle approach. Lastly, you want to make sure that you have a community of support. You have to have a social system where you can confide in, you relate to, y'all can swap stories, tips, recommendations, because this can take a whole lot of mental and emotional work. And you want to be able to have a system of support to help you process what's, what you've been going through 
and relates to it, okay? I just hope that today it sparked new questions and ideas and it resonated with you. I want to thank you so much for flowing with me in today's topic. May you have a beautiful day and night, gorgeous. Until next time, stay with you, brujitas. Thank you so much for taking your time to vibe with me today. I hope it resonated with your soul. If you found value in the words shared today, you can help support the creation of more Te Con Brujita episodes by becoming a Patreon member where you can donate and support independent projects like this one. You can stay in tune and connect it with me at Te Con Brujita. That's T-E-C-O-N-B-R-U-J-I-T-A. I'm Natalie Rodriguez and healing looks so good on you. Stay with you, brujitas. Bye.